Welcome to the Waking Up to Money podcast. So this podcast used to be called the Happy Pricing Podcast, but um, since we've restarted it, uh, myself and Ben, we thought, ah, oh, Waking Up to Money, uh, because of its double meaning. Uh, we record these uh, podcasts uh, at 10.15 a.m. UK time <laughs> every Wednesday. And uh, so you're waking up at that time, I think. Well, hopefully you've woken up already. But it's also about waking up to the idea of how you your relationship to money and your relationship, therefore, to pricing and how you can do that more powerfully. These podcasts are recorded live and a lot of the time with live guests asking their questions. And so I hope there'll be a resource for you trying to work out what it means to price more powerfully and confidently and to stop getting in your own way of making the money you want to make in your business. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Or oh, good morning if you are in the UK, everyone. Um, good morning, Ben. Good morning, Carlos. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> good afternoon. Good evening. Good afternoon. We are, it's been a while, it's been a long time since we talked about pricing. And uh, we are, um, we are here to partly, I think, report on how we've been doing over the past uh, I'm sorry, Carlos, I'm also getting lots of echoes again. I don't Ooh. know if that's just me. Interesting. Is that echo? So if you're listening to this, uh, and you're in the chat, you could really help us by saying, can you hear lots of echo? And this is interesting because I've, I've, I was on another call before with people and they were saying that they were uh, hearing echo on Crowdcast. So I'm wondering if this is a Crowdcast thing. Dizzy says no echo. Beth says no echo. So um, I think it's all your fault, Ben. It is. Most things are. So shall I leave and come back? Why don't you leave and come back? I promise to come back. Please, or else I'm going to be waffling because I have no idea what I'm talking about. Oh, now there's an echo. Okay, I'm going to go away and come back. Ooh. Okay, cool. Um, yes, thank you. But I think, yeah, I think Ben's maybe his speakers are picking up on his mic. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining me this morning. We are talking about this idea of um, pricing and how it's connected to our money stories. Uh, and one of the things that we learned when we ran the pricing course in December was while the content was great uh, and it helped people really kind of uh, have some kind of framework to think about how they're pricing and, and some tools to present how they price so it makes it uh, easier, as Ben says, making yourself easier to buy and understand the value that you're creating and to avoid the confusion that sometimes goes through customers' head as to is this a good idea or not. A bit, one of the bits of feedback that we got when we were talking to to um lovely people who joined the course was that we didn't necessarily spend as much time as we could on the money stories ben are you back i'm back in the room and there's no echo no echo 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 <laughs> don't mess with my head <laughs> don't mess with my head no all this fine is... at the moment <laughs> so yeah ben I, I was just letting people know that um what we're talking about here is uh, what we learned from the previous course, that while the the tactics and strategies that we we were sharing were very helpful and, and, and that atmosphere of kind of talk about to talk about these things and process these things together in a quite an intense way helped 
clarify how to do pricing. Below that was this idea of money stories. And, and uh, we didn't necessarily go as deep as we could do with that. And there are very many reasons why. But what we thought to kick off the happy pricing conversations again, and since we hadn't seen a lot of you or heard from you for a while and you haven't heard from us, we might as well tackle that head on because I think that's one of the most fundamental parts of all of this. Uh, and the way we're going to do that was just share our own experiences around how the money stories have affected or uh, how they've been uh, played a part in our lives as, as entrepreneurs and, and running businesses to hopefully give anyone here some a, li- a little bit of a window into um, how to think about it for yourselves. But also, we would love to hear from you um, if you have any thoughts uh, experiences that you had or questions even and and love to invite you even onto the call here and just uh to just share that story or share that question so myself and ben can give you our thoughts and hopefully that will help anyone else who's listening to this so um i don't know ben do you you know give maybe some some foundations of your experience or the the way you look at how money stories affect how we price yeah uh, and so just kind of reflecting as you're saying that, I, I would imagine actually cause for anybody kind of the, the idea of kind of coming on to talk about this probably is not hugely appealing. As I was reflecting on myself, shit, actually talking about a lot of these things is actually quite uncomfortable. Um, and obviously, you know, part of the thing, I think why, you know, around the kind of the structure of the course, not so much kind of time to it. But obviously, I think it is also it's it's a it's a kind of emotionally charged topic to to open up um, and. You know, I think you know, we all have a kind of really strong relationship to money, but obviously that kind of turns up in all sorts of different ways. That can be a kind of positive. I guess it reflects, you know, we have a strong relationship to lots and lots of things and it kind of turns up in very different ways for us. So I know from my own experience when I was running Free State, um, actually I had quite a sort of unhealthy relationship to to money. Um, in the sense that, you know, I guess like lots of people kind of, you kind of attach a lot of kind of uh, sort of power uh, and um, kind of safety in some respects to to money. And so that kind of turned up in how I was running the business in, kind of went through this whole sort of journey of always trying to kind of build a really kind of strong foundation. And what that for me meant this kind of big financial buffer. So, you know, not even just having a certain number of months of kind of operating money in the bank, but really kind of building up a kind of big sort of store of, of kind of money in the bank, essentially. And the, the kind of bigger the store of the money in the bank, the kind of more kind of secure I felt. Uh, and of course, that's a totally it kind of, you know, obviously, there's some sort of good practice things there. And, you know, just being being able to kind of ride out the kind of peaks and troughs that happen a little bit as you're you're running a company, but really there was it was it was a kind of it was a defence. It was from a kind of position of fear, uh, and so I was really trying to kind of build up these reserves, build up this sort of store to kind of lend this idea of confidence. Uh, and so that is like I said, there's some elements of kind of good practice in there, but it's also hugely kind of limiting and inhibiting in terms of how you kind of run a business. How I was running a business because. If that's the kind of frame, if that's the lens that you're looking through, kind of spending money ever feels like a challenging thing to do. Spending money on investing in team, investing in the kind of in things that the team needs, you know, whatever it might be, spending money becomes difficult because 
it kind of is sort of challenging this kind of feeling of security that I've kind of created, this illusion of security I've created by having a lot of money in the company bank account. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot around kind of money story there and what kind of happens in terms of how I was kind of running the business and the kind of limits that happen within that. But then I think how it then sort of translated, and I was just reflecting on this a little bit this morning, I think how it then translated to um, kind of pricing and how we were kind of engaging with clients. Also, then it kind of plays out quite negatively, because in some respects, then there's a little voice somewhere that, you know, probably I wasn't really largely conscious of. That was when I was negotiating with clients, when we were you know, looking at kind of projects that we were going to do, there was a voice somewhere in my mind that felt the reason that it would be important to do this, to get this piece of work, is that it was supporting this kind of store of money that we were having in the thing. So I wasn't really thinking about the clients. I wasn't really thinking about the kind of benefit that they would get. I was thinking about my own security and my own kind of feeling of safety. Uh, and that, of course, is not useful for anybody, really. Uh, and um, so then kind of reflecting on this this morning, over the kind of years, the sort of many years of, of running Free State, where I had kind of practiced a lot with a lot of the kind of pricing tactics and tools and things that we used to be able to kind of share in the value that we were creating for, for clients. But in some respects, as I was kind of reflecting on it, it was a bit like, it was a bit like sort of giving a kind of dangerous weapon to a kind of badly qualified person, because I had a lot of the kind of tools that I knew how to use to kind of maximize the things that we were earning. But I wasn't really doing that from a kind of a position of, Kind of safety or security or generosity really i was doing it from a kind of place of fear and i think in some respects i kind of was sort of stretching the kind of band of what was possible because more and more i would go into negotiations knowing i had these tools knowing i had these tactics to kind of effectively maximize what we were earned. but my motivation for doing it was like i said fear was about building this this kind of safety foundation so um yeah, I was, I was kind of reflecting on all this morning. You know, clearly, as soon as you pop open the lid of this sort of thing, you find a whole kind of, you know, snake pit of uh, kind of stories which are associated to money, which kind of play out in how I run the business, how we sold what we did, all, all of these sorts of things. So a big answer to a little question. Oh, it's a great answer. And it's inspired so many thoughts in me because um, it's actually really made me realize why I really wanted to do this. Because, like you said, it's a dangerous weapon. And like with any weapon, the weapon itself isn't the problem. It's how we use it. Uh, the tool, let's make it less less aggressive. But the tool <laughs> that we use is, is neutral. It's why, how and why we're using it. And for me, happy pricing is not just about the tools and the tactics. It's about really understanding how can we do this in a way that comes from a place of power, authenticity, flow, freedom, rather than fear? Mm. And I resonated so much with this idea of money and safety. Uh, and on one hand, there's the prudence around it. And I can remember one of the agencies that we used to look after, look after, look up to, uh, Clearleft in Brighton. I remember hearing a podcast where they would say we would always have at least six months worth of salaries in the bank in order to make sure that we could have space for creativity. And that, that made complete sense to me. And that's like, logically, tick, I'm doing the right thing by thinking of money as safety. But what I hadn't really addressed, what I hadn't looked to, is this association of money and safety was that when I had less money, when there was less money in the bank, 
suddenly that energy came out in the way we were selling. And like you said, you articulated exactly how I felt. It's like there was a hidden desperation to the way we were selling and pricing. We weren't, uh, I believe, or personally at least, and Lawrence maybe can uh, share his thoughts on this, it wasn't coming from a place of abundance. It was coming from a place of, okay, how much can we charge? What's the most we can charge? And if we can't, how quickly can we go down to get the client in because we need the money? And so it was very much about the the, the pricing strategy wasn't about where is the value and the, and the alignment between us and the customer. It was like, how quickly can we get money in the bank? Because if we don't have this amount of money in the bank, then we're not going to feel safe. Uh, and then that relates, again, in terms of if money is the amount of safety, or the amount of money is related to safety. It's like, like you said, spending money on things doesn't feel safe anymore. It's like actually compromising my safety. When in fact, if we invest money and time in marketing, money and time in our own personal growth and development, allowing it to flow so that rather than it's uh, something that goes out of the bank, it's actually it's value that we are looking to get back. We're not spending money just to throw it out. We're spending money to get something back. So if I've got that mindset, if I spend money, actually I'm losing, then I'm infecting how my relationship is with my client because then I've got, I'm projecting my ideas of money onto what they're doing. So rather than me being powerful about how I'm selling, I'm kind of thinking like, have we got in, I'm, I'm projecting this mindset of like, what am I losing by giving you X amount of money. Mm. So yeah, anything to build on there? Um, no, I guess one of the things, a couple of things, one which was sort of coming up as you were speaking is um, just, yeah, just, just remind you how arbitrary it is. Like I was talking to a friend of mine and he, he has a really successful um, small business, but by his own admission, he, he uh, so he also has kind of money story issues, kind of fear, basically. And uh, he was talking to another friend and he was sort of saying, you know, he was expressing his kind of concern about what was going on in the kind of current climate. But it came out in the conversation that actually he had he had five years worth of all of his expenses covered. Right. But, and, so, and but it still kind of felt that sort of insecurity around that. And so, you know, the, the kind of insecurity, of course, really knows no kind of bounds at all. It knows you know, it, it's a kind of hugely kind of limiting thing. And I guess the only other thing that I sort of add is that these these sort of concerns are, are, you know, run really deep. And so, you know, over 15 years of running Free State, I was kind of increasingly conscious of this in the kind of years since, you know, done a lot of kind of work and thinking and reflecting on all of this and practicing with kind of both ends of this sort of thing. But also if I'm not kind of, if I'm not sort of continually in tune with it, the kind of old stories can kind of rush forward. And so it really is something which kind of requires sort of ongoing ongoing, fo ongoing focus, ongoing kind of effort. Hmm. I, uh, well, the way I phrase that is it's a regular practice um, because these are deep stories, like you said, and more often than not, and I will talk from my own perspective, they come from our childhood and, and the relationships our parents have had with money. And I know my, my father specifically, he hated the idea of being in debt being in debt was a bad thing and and that rubbed off on me in a very subliminal way um, and so when it comes to if you're running a business and you need to invest and potentially you might need to get into debt or to get a loan 
in order to grow your business or even get investment to grow your business, that's going to really skew if you haven't faced that story or understood that story from my perspective, it's going to skew your decision making. And ultimately, for me, happy pricing or happy startup or whether you do any of our programs or whether you are thinking about the way Ben thinks about business in terms of this more broader, uh, I would say, the how to be in business, is the more we can be free of some of these stories or at least have ability to choose whether to use, use these stories or not, the more powerful I think we can be in the way we can create impact because we're not restricted and constrained by things we don't understand. We're very aware and conscious of this is telling me to do this. Uh, and where does that come from? Mm. Yeah, I think one of the things coming, I'm just noticing uh, Lawrence's uh, observation there about kind of that money should flow. And if you hold on to it, it goes stale. I think there is a really kind of interesting kind of idea in that. and Because it made me think about one of the conversations I was having with somebody about the course who, who'd done the course with us. And uh, was just sort of reminding myself, actually, that one of the, you know, as you're saying also, kind of, this is a kind of practice. And actually, one of the really useful things for people to practice, I think, is the practice of spending money as an investment. Uh, and because it kind of, you know, at the point of actually spending, at the point of pressing whatever, however we spend money these days, by pressing a button somewhere, you know, the kind of point of, of sort of doing that, actually a lot of the kind of feeling that people have around money comes up. And so as a practice, uh, it's a really kind of useful way of kind of reflecting on the sort of stories that we have by being, you know, being comfortable, getting used to to spending money, to kind mm -hmm. of pressing that button, to kind of making that connection. Uh, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a kind of really interesting, and in that it kind of frees it up. Because I know when we were talking about when we were talking about just having this conversation now. And so, you know, I think part of the thing that came up when we checked in with the cohort from the, the first course, this idea of trying to address more of the kind of money stories thing. I think the reason it obviously kind of resonates is it's really important. But also, you know, like, like we say, it, it does kind of, you know, the more in tune, the more aware we have, it softens the ground. And if it sort of softens the ground, it kind of frees us up to be able to have kind of more gen generous and open conversations with our clients. And if we have kind of generous and open conversation relationship with our, with our clients, then there is a kind of more space for money to flow there. And so kind of practicing that by getting used to spending money in a certain way, particularly if it kind of has a kind of pinch of kind of doubt for you, these kind of things are really constructive ways of kind of opening those gates, opening that relationship a little bit. So, I think one what what came to my mind there, particularly around the idea of spending money, is this idea this this real concept around value and intention. Mm. Because if I have a real and strong intention and a clarity about what I want from this relationship or this course or this thing that I'm doing, and I go into that with a clear agreement with myself, I'm spending money on this because I really want to get this out. And this could be just a tiny bit of what you're going to do. You know, I've seen courses that are massive courses, like they they give you everything you need. And so there's this perception like if I don't get use up all of that, then I've wasted my money. But actually there's maybe just one thing and that's the value I want from that. And I will spend the money to get that because when I use that, have that, that understanding, that knowledge, that clarity, whatever it is, I can then go on and do this. And so if I come to a, an, a, a transaction with that in mind, 
then I think it will, and I, with any transaction, so rather than, oh, I should do a, a social media marketing course or uh, I should do a course on leadership because everyone does it, then of course there's a chance, there's a big chance that you won't get the value and you'll feel like you wasted your money. But if I go into something and say, I'm going to pay a grand for this course because there's that really specific thing that I need it to help me do, then that shifts as well how we talk to other people. We don't have to say, oh, have all of this and, and load in loads of content and time, etc., etc. We say, actually, do you want to do this? Is that worth this? What is worth this? Then you can be a bit more free with pricing. That's that's what how I'm seeing this now in terms of spending money, being clear about why we're spending money can help us understand how we then price for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's, that's kind of right. And... Um, so reflecting then also my experience in running Freestate, I know when I kind of was speaking earlier about, you know, this kind of building up this kind of sort of store of cash, which meant always putting off decisions like investing money in the team for their training or investing money in our own marketing and these kind of things. And actually, I came to then use those things as kind of my opportunity to kind of learn about my own money story. So by, you know, by doing the uncomfortable thing and agreeing to make what would have been a you know big investment in our own marketing or agreeing to make a kind of big investment in kind of giving funds to the team so that they could invest in their training. Things which I always kind of put off because it wasn't ever quite the right time became a kind of an opportunity to practice. It became an opportunity for me to be able to kind of feel the benefit of investing. And then going back to what kind of Lawrence would say, which actually is just getting used to you know, experiencing the flow of it. Because actually, as you sort of do that and you kind of ease into that a little bit, you do feel the kind of truth in that. But, you know, you kind of, you know, like all these things, you need to practice. You need to kind of pop the lid off a little bit and, you know, start in, start interacting, start the start the flow going. Yeah. And so um, one of the things, I just wanted to, to maybe touch on that because I think one of the objections, maybe the challenges we have that is underpinned by stories is the risk. It's like, what's the return on investment? If I do spend this, how sure am I that am I going to get this back? And so when I'm thinking of my own money story about money is safety, it's like, there's if I spend this money and I don't get that return, that I'm relating this risk to my own safety. And so if I'm able to unattach that and say, actually, well, maybe I don't get what I need. But that isn't just about the person who's delivering the content or the course that I'm going to take. It's also about my clarity and my intention. So I need to engage with that other person more to help me understand, or I need to read up and find out more about this stuff to help me understand my own clarity in terms of, right, this is, uh, I'm, it's an informed risk nearly. Um, I don't know if that I'm, I'm leading people astray here, but does that, does that make any sense or can you make more sense of it than I can? Um, what in terms of um, the kind of expectation of return and how yes, and that risky feelings, like the objections we have, is like, oh my god, what if I don't get that? Mm-hmm. And and how do I how do I process that when I'm making a, an investment? And then under, mm. by understanding that, I might understand how other people are trying to process that when they're trying to buy from us. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, good, good question. I guess in part it's sort of about being clear which maybe is a little bit what you're talking about is what our own responsibility is in terms of, 
kind of when, when we when we make an investment about something. So if I think about like the example I was talking about, you know, running business, agreeing to invest in marketing or agreeing to invest in sort of specific kind of training over and above. And, and I think it's, you know, like with all of these things, if we kind of go into those spending decisions quite, you know, very, very constrained or constricted with lots of kind of sort of uh, kind of holding very kind of tightly onto a very specific kind of outcome, the chance of the very, very specific outcome coming to pass, of course, is a little bit limited because I'm just suffocating the life out of it, aren't I? So it's kind of, um, I guess it's a little bit, again, it's about a practice of kind of holding these kind of outcomes a little bit lightly. For sure, we want to know that there is a reason for spending it, that there is a return. But I think trying to have a kind of open mind about the, the whole range of benefits that might come from individual decisions just increases the likelihood that those things pay back for us because we're kind of clearer about the range of benefits rather than maybe holding really tightly on a specific benefit or a specific outcome. I think I now understand where I might not being so clear because I think it, it kind of depends on the product or the thing that you're buying. And mm -hmm. if it's a widget, if it's a thing, you know, I'm buying a hammer. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what I'm getting if I'm buying a hammer. It's I'm needing it to hammer nails. But if I'm buying more of a service, more mm -hmm. of something that requires some kind of interaction. Um, there's a certain amount of importance that I have an involvement in there and there's a certain responsibility. And I think what I'm under, well, the way I'm getting to now is this idea as someone who is buying something, you probably want to feel some compassion from the seller. So they're not pushing mm -hmm. something onto you. They're trying to understand your context and your and your reservations, which are usually rooted in some kind of money story as well as the tangible risk and reward aspect of things. So that if you do that practice of buying intentionally and understanding what's stopping you, you can then hopefully have more empathy for the people who are buying stuff from you. So rather than you saying, why aren't you buying? Why aren't you buying? Oh my God, you're not buying because I'm not good enough. Or, oh my God, you're not buying because you don't trust me. It's like, actually, maybe there's, by understanding the story part of it, it can help you price more powerfully. So not just your stories, but then relating that to how other people's stories might be affecting their judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because yeah, I think at the heart of this, you know, is is empathy is an understanding about what's kind of happening on the other side of the, the table from you when you are selling something and, you know, the connection that you are trying to kind of strike between you and the person who's kind of buying from you. And so the more kind of aware and open you are going into that, the kind of stronger that relationship with the client will be and the stronger the relationship with the client, the kind of more opportunity there is within that. But yeah, so I think, you know, if, if the practice of spending money, investing money helps you kind of feel that exchange more, then yeah, for sure, there is kind of real value in that, specifically from understanding, kind of understanding what, what your your customers and clients are thinking too. Hmm. And so, you know, coming, slowly winding this down a bit, um, what, what I understand and also what I experience is thinking about these stories, it's, you know, it's deeper work. And it's it isn't a quick fix. There's a longer term um, practice around this. Um, from a practical perspective, for us trying to help people with the tangible approaches to pricing and also how to then relate that to a more connected experience that feels authentic. 
I, I'm curious to hear from people. Like, what would what would do it for you? What is it that you would be looking for in terms of to help you um, at least explore this in a bit more accessible way without feeling exposed? Because in a sense, what what we'd love to do is, is to enhance what we teach and how we share it, so that people really do come out with some kind of transformational approach to pricing rather than a tick list of things to do but never really embodying it or feeling it um so i'll be interested to hear any thoughts or questions around that if you have in the chat and if it even if it doesn't come up right now and you do have a question later you can jump back into crowdcast and you can type a question and myself and ben will try and check in now and again to see if there are any questions that come up afterwards uh, or find us uh, either of us on LinkedIn and post us a message there. But um, we're 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 as curious about this from the perspective of how can we make this journey more impactful, and at the same time accepting that you can't just do it in in a very finite amount of time. So looking for the leverage points there. Um, ben, any other thoughts? And I'm just going to have a look at what Beth is saying here. So investing in doing the happy pricing course unlocked something and literally paid for itself within a week. Oh, Beth, <laughs> you're lovely. <laughs> the real value goes way beyond that and is going to unfold slowly in a deeper level. Thank you very much. <laughs> awesome, Beth. I really appreciate what you said there. Um, Dizzy is asking, did you record this, please? I missed the first 10 minutes. It is recorded. As soon as this stops, you can jump back onto the same link and you'll be able to watch the first 10 minutes and everything else again. Right, so Lauren here has, how do you deal with imposter syndrome when it comes to pricing? So feeling you can't charge or charge enough because you feel you are not an expert. Ooh, okay. I think we can end on this question. This is quite an interesting one. So it's like, I don't feel like I'm an expert, so I don't feel I can charge X amount. That's how I interpret your question, Lauren. Please um, clarify this. Brilliant. Um, cool. Ben, any thoughts well, on that? That's a big question to end. Oh, my reception's gone all funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's that's a very good. I guess a question for you, Lauren, would be: um, so, forgetting how you feel, are you an expert? Are you an expert? How long have you been practicing the thing that you practice? Oh, she says not really. I have well, something for Lauren, mm -hmm. if that's okay. Please. So, one of the things we talk about in the pricing course is. Uh, value is in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's all about their perception of value, not your perception of value. And while I might not consider myself an expert on, uh, I don't know, happy startups, <laughs> uh, and I might think that other people know a lot more than me uh, than startups, I also there's a, know there's a lot more people who, there are a lot of people who don't know as much as me as startups. So while I might not consider myself an expert, and sometimes you know I do feel like, oh, I don't know, is this the right thing to say? I know there's a lot of stuff that I could tell someone that they hadn't heard of before. And I think it's shifting that thing of like, expert is a very specific level of knowledge. It's actually, how are you helping people? That person that you want to help know, wants something that you know. 
And what they achieve by learning what you know will shift something massive or small. And there's a value attached to that. And then you price according to that, not according to your expertise. You price according to how impactful your help and knowledge can be. And so that's how I would, you know, a very simple but not a very easy way of looking at this, looking at this. Brilliant. That was a brilliant response. You remembered actually what we teach on the course, which was a timely intervention. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm there for a reason, Ben. I'm there for a reason to try and get stuff. Uh, yeah, trying to move myself forward as much as everyone else. Uh, and it's a perfect example. You know, <laughs> the happy pricing course is as much for me uh, as it is for anyone else. I wanted to learn from Ben and I thought Ben had some great stuff to teach everyone. Um, okay. What we have here, um, James, would it be a case of teaching people how to rewrite their own very personal money stories? All right. So this is, an, uh, I think, a, a suggestion about what we could do to help people with their money stories. Things. What do you think about that idea, Ben? Um, yeah, I think that that is a, that's a good idea. You know, I, that, for me, one of the first times I really started to think about this was because I was working with a teacher and... Uh, he asked as part of the course he was giving, you know, if, if I said, and it was in a sort of online format, not dissimilar to this, and he was sort of saying, if I said to you, money, 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 what comes up for you? Uh, and there was a kind of whole then exploration that we kind of went through, because when you could sort of sit with that, actually, you then realize that there's all of these things that do come up. And so it's in being asked questions, in reflecting on it, that I started to kind of understand my own money stories. And in understanding my own money stories, then you have the opportunity um, to experiment and explore with rewriting your own. So, yes, I think, James, there's a lot of a lot of truth and value in that. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I think there's... Um... So, for instance, with with what we're doing, we're trying to do everything in a week. You know, it's 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 uh, we got about ninety minutes a day, and we're going to try and go through some content. And so there's there, I think having some tools to I think open the can, but not too much, so that all the worms <laughs> jump out. <laughs> but you can tackle one worm at a time, or at least be aware of them. Um, I think would be a way, and and maybe writing, starting with your own, you know, maybe a free writing exercise. What's your money story now? And maybe a free writing exercise about what would your money, what would you love your money story to be? Or even just understanding, even unpicking that slightly would be a way of, uh, of at least addressing some of this. Um, but I think more often than not, I think this stuff comes out through conversation with others and sharing these stories. And I don't think it's also a linear path where you can do step one, step two, step three. It's quite an emergent conversation and we find our enlightenment or our epiphanies when they, when they arise rather than after doing a set number of exercises. So I love that though, you know, at least surfacing that personal money story, which requires a safe space, of course. That's the other thing I think we need to consider, Ben, when we're creating these spaces and what we'd love for people to do is to feel like, okay, I can share this. And so um, what it, you know, uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent now and I'm going to try and bring this back. But what it, for me, just realize it relates to marketing. And marketing isn't about um, telling lots of people about this thing that you're about to sell. Marketing for me is about this conversation that you have with people to find out where is the value and what is required for you to achieve that value. 
And so for this, you know, this is marketing. We're having a conversation, sharing what we want, but we want to engage with everyone to find out, okay, what work, what could work for you and also what is in your way so that we can then say, okay, great, this is for you or this is not for you. Or actually we need to develop and change some of the stuff that we're doing to, to tackle some of these foundational problems that people are having. So um, that's what came up for me. Uh, I am all right. Last comment, just maybe from Lauren. Just to, I'll just acknowledge it. She says she's building an MVP for students to teach digital marketing, and then get a placement in a startup. She says she's a generalist marketeer, but not an expert. Um, a quick comment I would have there: you are not an expert yet. Um, and actually, by doing that now and sharing the expertise you have as a marketer and then helping them solve the problems that your these students have you are delivering value and you're probably an expert in those particular things and you're just using and this is for me is innovation you're using an existing tool that you have a mastery over to solve a problem over here so don't think oh i'm not an expert so i can't teach these people it's like i know this stuff really well and I think I can solve that problem over there using this knowledge. So you will create value. Uh, you just need to hold that intention in your head rather than feeling like I need to have done this before. Mm. Um, cool. Any final comments, Ben? No, I mean, I just guess just a final thing just on that to what Lauren's saying and, and what you said. I think, you know, as Carlos said, not that you're an expert now, but like, you know, there is huge value to those students to go through that journey and to learn those things to get into a sort of startup. And so the the point that the value is in the eye of the beholder is a really useful one to keep in mind. There's such kind of positive intent in what you're doing there, Lauren, and that is the valuable thing. Yeah, brilliant. And have conversations, talk to them, really understand what it is that they're, they're struggling with and what, and it might not even be a thing they're struggling, it might be just an idea, a story. And I think that's so important for me, it's just like, the more we can find out each other's stories, the more likely we're going to be able to create the impact for each other rather mm. than assuming everyone's the same as us. Or everyone can see in our heads. Um, and you don't want to see in my head. Um, <laughs> well, this was fun. Um, and this is the energy that we'd like to bring uh, to you uh, on a regular basis. So our intention is to try and do this at least once a week to cover different topics Um and ultimately to inform you and encourage you to do the happy pricing course. You know, we believe the work that we're doing there is really, really useful, particularly if you're a purpose-driven entrepreneur, particularly if you find pricing a challenge and you have these stories about actually I need to be an expert or I need to be able to have everything in this thing in order to price this much, how we can shift people's perspectives on what it means to price well and price happy then I think it's going to benefit all of us. We're going to have more sustainable businesses and we're going to be doing work that feels less effortful and less stressful and more flowing, like the money. Cool. Okay. Uh, Dizzy, and the link for that is... Oh, the link for what? What did what did I say? Did we say a link for something? Is that a link to something else? Uh, oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I missed something. Maybe the recording. Oh, the happy pricing course. Of course, oh, of very course, good, Dizzy. Good, very good, Dizzy. If you check out, there's a, I think a, uh, a button on your screen that says <laughs> register for the course. <laughs> it's there, it's there, as well as all of um, 
the other side. And she had an earlier question. Dizzy, uh, we we might tackle that on the next call. Please ping me a message and then we'll try and bring that on. I'm also conscious that I don't want to keep people for too long and keep this as close to 30 minutes as possible, even though we've gone over 10 minutes. Um, thank you, Ben. Love, thank you. I love having this, uh, sort of sharing this space with you and just bouncing ideas. Um, it's, Likewise. It's, it, it nourishes me and, it's, and I hope it's nourishing the people who are listening. Until next time, have a great day, everyone. Enjoy and um, yeah, price happy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our Waking Up to Money podcast. I hope you found this episode informative, uh, useful, and now you can go forth and price more powerfully and confidently. If you want to learn more about how to price in a way that's going to give you more time, more space, uh, give yourself less fear and anxiety when you're talking to your clients and make it easier to find the value that they're looking for, the price that you're looking, you're both looking for, and then to share in the, the value equally in a, in a way that everyone wins. If you want to learn more about that, then go to happypricing.co. You can download the manifesto. We also have a happy pricing canvas and we also have the happy pricing course, which is starting in uh, on the 26th of March. Um, if you're interested in, please pre-register for the course and we will get in touch when we start opening for enrollment. Um, until then, uh, see you at the next episode. Mm-hmm.